Welcome to the Grip City Golf Podcast, your source for new information, insightful interviews, and good old-fashioned banter about golf in Portland, Oregon. Today's episode is presented by Brink and Brown Sanitation. Introducing the hosts of Grip City Golf, Andy Dirk Johnson and Eric Peterson. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Welcome in episode 16 of the Grip City Golf Podcast. Andy Dirk Johnson, Eric Peterson. It is Masters Week. Season two is back and in full swing. Better than ever, baby. What's going on, EP? How we doing, What up, man? I'm doing good. Good to see your face. Good to hear your voice. And I got to be honest, dude, with each episode we do, I'm a little bit more surprised that we're still going. Like, people still want to hear what we have to say about golf in Portland. Some episodes deviate from golf in Portland into bigger and better things like the Masters. But I think that all in all, it's good to be still rolling with you on this. I'm stoked and grateful that people listen they're engaged and it's fun to chat with you as always dude this is you you hit it on the head people are still interested i'm shocked that they are after one season the public demand is there for more golf content from us and we're thrilled man so we're th- this is we did one episode of one off in january we're back in full swing now so you're going to get back to a regular schedule of grip city golf here's what's coming up on episode 16 a quick uh, update for you will gray the first returning guest in grip city golf history a good buddy of Eric Peterson's. He was on last year. He's the editorial lead for Golf Bet, uh, incorporated there with the PGA Tour. He's going to come on in a couple of moments. We'll get all the gambling nuggets and the stats and the info that you need to know going into this year's Masters. And we will also close the episode with our thoughts on the tournament predictions and all that good stuff because I got Eric's email for his Masters pool, so I need to get the the notes down from Will. The only danger there is we're both talking to him, so we're probably going to pick the same golfers, but we'll see if we deviate at all. Uh, so a lot of Masters content coming up. We got to start, though, with golf trips. So we want to do YOLO golf trips this year. And before I get to mine, because I actually just did one, and I want to talk about it in a moment, you got one looming, baby, right around the corner the week after the Masters. Eric Peterson is heading down to the Mecca of golf. Where's the excitement level to go to Bandon Dunes on like a one out of a, a 100? Oh, my God, dude. I'm so excited. And we're, we're going down to Bandon next week with a, there's a crew of eight of us great mixture of guys and people who are listening to this have they've been they've been with their crew of the same people like a lot of the trips are the same right it's you're looking forward to it you're just so incredibly excited but when you're actually the person that's going on the trip it just <laughs> it just feels more special and it just feels like every time i go there and you know as you know i used to work there and so like the first few that i went it kind of was a little bit like it just felt more like nostalgic a little bit, um, which was a good feeling. But now this one, I just feel like my life has changed. I have two kids now and I'm just going to abandon just like, like one of the regular Joe's now. And it just feels really fun. I'm just super excited. We're playing all the courses. We're playing six rounds. We're playing Pacific twice. And then the others once. So yeah, dude, I'm stoked. People are looking at the weather and wondering if it's going to rain or not. I'm like, dude, that misses the point. If we wanted good weather, we'd go to Scottsdale, which right. you just went there. And so that's what you get when you go to Scottsdale, but you don't get banded. And so that's what I'm thinking about and excited for is just the epic experience that is Bandon Dunes. Well, let me ask you this. So I'm, I'm curious from your angle. You obviously, for those who are new to the podcast, uh, Eric used to work at Bandon Dunes. I'm curious from your angle. So this is a regular trip for you, right? Do you go every other year? Yeah. Every other year. And then, you know, you get those random like invites from people. And so maybe I'll find myself there once a year or so, but for this particular crew, we go every other year. 
and we we go the week after the master so it's kind of a rinse and repeat and i actually it's funny i was texting with my guys like i didn't remember the feeling of master's week last year basically where exactly where we're at now with this trip and like we have the masters this week and band in next week like is there anything better than that i mean because no. we talk about the hype for the masters is great and the hype for going on a band and trip is great and we get them back to back i don't remember that like coming up in conversation last year or last time two years ago and it kind of hit me the other day of like man this is just my work productivity is a little lower this week but my <laughs> my priorities are just they're a little bit different this week because of everything that we had to look forward to so i'm well, super excited it's perfect timing on your part because is there anything that gives you the golf itch more than watching the masters like no, that's it for, like you turn it nothing. on on tv and yeah. all you want to do is go golf and for us yeah. here locally the weather isn't really cooperating yet unfortunately and we'll have more on that by the way in our next episode mike barrett will be on so we'll talk about the simulators and ways to scratch that itch that are away from sinking into the fourth fairway at east moreland but i it's just it's perfect timing for you because you're you're gonna get the itch and then you're going on a golf trip right away on that note though so the every other year thing I've always went like, do you think that's the best way to do it? Because the people that I'm envious of are the people that have regular trips that they plan to band in that it's just like a set thing. So when you're down there, you essentially, Hey, two years from now, we're going to book it out and you know, you're set because it's really hard to book on like a short term. Hey, I want to go next month. Well, good luck finding courses and in, in a place to stay. Yeah. I mean, if you can go on short notice for sure, but you're not going to get 36 holes a day, the tee times you want, the courses yeah. you want, you're kind of left scrapping around to try to figure out where to play, which is fine. I mean, if you want to go with a certain group, whether it be like your parents or something, like if it's an older group or whatever the reason is to only play 18 in the winter time, the days are short. You don't even have time for 36, but you got to, you got to plan far in advance. And I, but I do think that once you get the wheels kind of going and you get your crew and like once the trip's over you text everybody like hey do you guys want to do that again like <laughs> of course everybody says yes so it's pretty easy to rally your crew so to speak i just think it comes down to actually executing right which is the key to everything it's like ideas that's the easy part but then the hard part is actually following through and doing it so that was me that did, that booked it but once you're in you just call them up and say hey we were here this time we want to rinse and repeat how does it look? And then basically the reservations team at Bannon Dunes is so awesome and dialed with yeah. with questions like that, that they basically just serve it up for you after that. So it's pretty easy once you get started. Well, you got a little distraction at work this week. We'll see if you can stay focused for the rest of the week and then the next week before you, you head down to Bannon. I, I had two golf trips this year. One, I don't want to really talk about. I went down, as you mentioned, to Scottsdale. It Why don't you great. want to talk about it? Cause it's depressing. I'm looking outside right now and it's 47 degrees. And oh, I thought you were going to say, cause you shot 94 or something like that. I did. I have one day where I played out of my mind, played great, love the way I played next day, played horrible. It's just, you know, okay. that's this time of year, you're not quite dialed in yet, but okay. it's just depressing to think back to playing golf in 75 degree weather and the ball's rolling in the fairway. And I'm, you know, it's like, when the, when's the next time I'm going to see that. The more recent one, though, for me, I finally knocked Chambers Bay off of my bucket list. Dude. I, I want to hear about this and because I haven't heard yet. You went up for the day. You played with Northwest Golf Guys. I want to hear. Give us the, the little two-minute spiel on how that whole thing went. So it was incredible. I, I My in-laws had reached out, said, hey, there's an event, Northwest Golf Guys, end of March. Do you want to do it? It's on a Saturday. I said, hell yes, I'm in. Never played. Always wanted to do it. And it was fun because it was my first experience doing the YOLO trip thing and seeing how is this day going to work out. Now, it was an early morning. We did the early tea time. So we were in 8 a.m. tea time. So you so you wake up in your at your house in Portland. Yes. And you're teeing off at Chambers at 8 in the morning. At 8 o'clock in the morning. What so time? I, it, what time? I'm going to turn this into an interview. So okay. what? So you tee off at 8 at Chambers Bay. What time did you wake up that morning? Probably not I, any well, earlier than you do for your day job, right? 
that's why it fit for me because I thought I get up this. It's just like another yeah. week work day for so me. Like four thirty or golf. something. I got up at a little after four okay. and I left the house at like four 50 ish or 45 ish. Okay. I think I was on the road and it took a little, just a hair over two hours. You can drive like Dale Earnhardt that time of the morning because yeah. there's nobody on the road. So I'm hammering up there on I five. I wow. got up there about a little after seven and it gave me, you know, I had about 45 minutes, hit a couple of range balls, kind of loosen up, use the bathroom. I packed a bunch of food so I didn't have to worry about that. I made sure all those kind of eyes were dotted and T's were crossed because you're on the run. You don't want to be, you know, running late and grabbing a breakfast burrito or something. So it was fully prepared there. And Tina, it was cold as hell. I mean, the first five holes were, you know, gloves on, hand warmers, beanie on, but it was dry. And as the day went on, the sun came out. That's awesome. And I got, I got to tell you, buddy, I, so first off, the most important thing, the over under, the under was hit. And I am thrilled about that. What'd you shoot? So I shot an 85, nice. but that was with a automatic par on number 15. So number 15, they had a water main break, which is that classic par three kind of going back towards the sound there. And so it's all closed down. They're trying to, you know, rehab it and all that. So mm -hmm. 15 was closed down. They get everybody a net par, just take a three, move on to the next hole. So I technically on 17 holes, I shot an 82 and I wanted, that's kind of where I wanted to be. And it ended up being a tied for fourth, baby. I took home 50 bucks from the Northwest nice. golf guys. <laughs> that's so cool. Is that like shop credit or what? Oh, it's, yeah, that's how they do it. Shop credit. But I'm what'd you, build up what'd you buy with it? On. I, I'm saving up. I'm I kind of, I'm either getting new wedges or a new driver. I haven't decided yet, but I'm going to build up my credits as the summer goes on <laughs> and then fully catch in. So, so, so you finished, what was your net score? Uh, net score. I think I played as an eight that day. Okay. So it would have been a 70, what, 78 net with, with the three on 15 yeah. that I didn't technically get. So, but, but it, everybody, it was a, everybody had that rule. So you don't, everybody had a three on 15, need to yeah. explain it. So if you it, said it was, you just made a three on some other hole that everybody else had to actually play, that would be a different deal, but <laughs> sure, sure. everybody was in that boat. So, okay. Well, and then, so you got a little shop cred. And so did that get you pretty juiced to not only play that course again, but play more tournament golf? 100% on both fronts. So I, the Northwest golf guys, I mean, we talked about that a lot last year. Like that's something that's high on my priority list this year to play in more events. It's just fun, man. You get a little bit of the intensity. You're standing over a par putt, you're finishing everything out. Like it just means a little bit more. It's dumb. It's for 50 bucks. It's not that big of a deal, but 50 bucks is better than just playing by yourself and, you know, picking up every gimme from two feet as you're walking to the next tee box. The tournament aspect of it is great. To the point on Chambers again, I cannot wait to play that course. That It was such a fun track, a mix of narrow, difficult, bunker everywhere holes, like, oh, my God, where am I going to hit this, to some that are kind of wide open, sprayed around, have some fun, and you got a good chance of making a good score here. Incredibly difficult, not knowing the nuances of where to miss on certain holes, and you'd get up to a green and be like, why the hell didn't I hit up on this slope where it's going to roll down to the green? And so there's those complications that came with it, but I, that easily jumped into Dirt's top five power ranking of golf courses I've ever wow. played. Chambers, Chambers Bay was unreal, and I cannot wait to get back. And so even on a, I mean, you didn't play it like in peak of peak season. You said it was dry, but it wasn't like summer golf. So even then, you, you still would put it really high up there, huh? 100%. It, it very cool. reminiscent. I've heard a lot of people make the comparison. I mean, very similar to Bannon in that regard where you yeah. can get probably a foot of rain and your ball, you're not going to be sinking into fairways, just the yeah. way it's built, the kind of ground that it's on. So just that aspect of playing around a golf in March where balls aren't plugging in the middle of the fairway, or if you hit a green or if, you know, it's just not stopping right where it is. Yeah. It was just fun to play that style of golf. So I, I give it two thumbs up. 
easily cracks my top five of courses I've ever played. Chambers Bay was awesome. Cannot recommend it enough. And I can't wait for the next Northwest Golf Guys event. And I got to get you out to some of those this year. We got to we got to get EP out there competing again this year. I we keep having Travis and and those guys on the show and and Zach and I'm waiting for them to just say, hey, just come out and we'll comp you. Maybe I need to be a little <laughs> bit more proactive about that. <laughs> you know who I am? Do you know I host the Group City Golf Podcast? Let me play. No, they were kidding. all up there. All those guys are up there. They're, they're they, the best. And they love golf and they love exactly what you and I love about golf, right? Is that it like brings you to places and around people that you wouldn't otherwise be around. And isn't that what's so great about it? And the Northwest Golf Guys, that little model they've built of tournament golf but not too ostentatious it's just very approachable i think that they found it and i'm happy for them and i'm with you dude let's go play in an event well and they also the cool thing with 15 being shut down we got a 75 dollars replay through northwest golf guys and chambers bay because you couldn't play the 15th hole so i got a coupon for a 75 dollars replay that's, that's awesome. just burning a hole in my bag and i can't wait to go use it so there's a recap. EP's going abandoned. I just was at Chambers Bay. So we've, we've been staying busy, although the weather here, I got to admit, buddy, it is. I'm cut, Part of me is kind of glad that it's not super nice this weekend because then I feel guilty sitting inside and watching the Masters. Now it looks like we're getting nothing but rain, so I won't feel quite as guilty. But to the point of the itch, that's the, the difficult part this time of year is I'm ready to start playing two, three times a week. And just weather is not cooperating, man. I, I can't do it. I can't do the cold. I can't do the rain. So I'm, I'm going to the range and I'm staying indoors for a bit. It's amazing how we're at that point where it could be really cold and rainy one day, or it could be sunny. And, <laughs> and so it's like, you don't really know what you're going to get. And you kind of just have to like roll with it, which is kind of hard. That's the way it works this time of year, man. So I want to get to something before we get to Will Gray coming up here in a bit, because Will is awesome and we need all the gambling nuggets that we uh, can get on the masters. I, I want to go somewhere. You brought this up. I love the idea. Listeners, you can respond at grip city golf on Twitter. I, I love people setting like goals sites. What do you want to accomplish? Like, I think that's really important in every aspect of life, let alone golf, which is the most important part of life. As we all know, uh, what are Eric Peterson's 2023 golf goals? Because from, from our conversations off the year, buddy, or off the air, you're, you're having a bit of a midlife golf crisis right now. Yeah. And I, I need, I need Eric <laughs> Peterson to find his golf mojo again. My handicap is the highest it's ever been. <laughs> Not to say that I'm the worst I've ever been as a golfer, but like I didn't really get a handicap till I was somewhat decent. And I don't even remember what it was when I first got it, but what's your uh, number right now? 6.1. And, and we're going up to, you know, we're, we're going down abandoned next week and it, it's time now to, share your gin number right so the scorekeepers can like get everything penciled in and like so i share that on group text and everyone's calling bs and i'm like dude no it's like i am not a handicap gooser guy like i, I seriously am not like you can like one hand on the bible on my on my parents grave right. whatever you want me to do i'll do it because i am dead serious that that is legitimate and yeah so it's frustrating to your point of um i don't really know what's going on I want to say it's because I'm a parent, but then there's a lot of people that are doing just fine playing golf. So I, I'm trying to kind of find that balance right now. So what was, what was the round total for you last year? Do you know oh, your number? Gosh. It Not was many. pretty low. And then, yeah, I think I played, I think like posted scores of like where we actually like played 18 holes. Um, I think probably eight or 10, maybe that's your like issue, buddy. That's I played some issue. scrambles and I played some little hit and giggle things here and there. It was a, it was a tough year for me, but Hey, look, we're looking forward. We're living That's up. Right. The, the skies are blue. I'm excited. 
So the golf goals, we're getting Eric Peterson back. I got some goals too. Again, tweet us at Grip City Golf. What are your golf goals for the 2023 summer, which is not here yet, but what the hell, it's Masters Week. So let's say it's actually here. Uh, what, you what got to gotta, start somewhere, right? I mean, like the you season, do. usually I would say you and I have talked about this, like the unofficial kickoff to the golf season is the master's tournament, right? I mean, yeah. you're, you get the itch, the weather might be crappy, whatever, but um, the itch is definitely there because of the master's. So I think it's good timing to talk about this stuff. Yeah. And I agree. Thanks for mentioning to listeners to share what their goals are, because maybe I need a little, maybe I'll draw a little inspiration from those too. So, <laughs> so some of my goals are less about. I mean, the obvious ones are to play better, right? I mean, everybody wants to do that. I don't really have any like metric driven. I want my handicap to be a certain number, but I do want to play some courses that I don't get to play as much. I want to play Eugene Country Club again. I've played that a handful of times, but just haven't made the excuse to get down there. And when I do that, I also want to play at Tokati, which is one of my favorite non-banding courses. I think it's Bandon Trails before Bandon Trails existed. I want to play... Potentially, I was thinking about this, dude. I didn't want to share with this with everyone, but I'll go ahead and do it. What if we did a YOLO 36-hole Toka T Eugene Country Club one-day hit? I'm in. I mean, I'm I in. could I could figure out a way to set it up. Okay. I just think that that needs to happen. Sign me up. I okay. love that. Playing more courses is a really good, like just getting out and seeing few newer tracks or tracks you haven't played in a long time. I love that goal for the year. Okay. So that's my that's one goal is to play some courses that I've either I've I've pretty much played all the courses that I would want to play around here, but I've, there's some that I just haven't played as much. Um, Eugene being one of them, Toka T being another, I just haven't played it in a while. Um, the other is, and I wanted your point of view on this is what one club am I going to improve my relationship with this year? For, for me, it's my driver. Last year, I got to a point actually where we were fully divorced, moved out separate houses. Like <laughs> we're not even talking at all, right? Not even yeah. responding to text messages. Uh, me and my driver. And so I have a ping G 400, which is a great club. And I'm huge on, and I've told you this before that it's not the tool. It's the, the carpenter, whatever that, whatever the cheesy thing is. So I, I get it. It's not the driver's fault, but I need to figure out a way to make amends on the driver front. So that's one of my other goals. And okay. so I wanted to ask you, do you have any clubs that, that you've, you're in sort of a sour relationship with right now? So I have had a lifelong sour relationship with my putter. Life, lifelong sour. I've never had a good relationship with my putter. Wow. And this, my, I'm glad you brought that up because I have spent more time this offseason, obviously the weather permitting. I'm trying to get to the range as often as I can. But I got the putting mat. It's in the living room. The wife hates it, but I don't care. I'm leaving it in there because I don't want to go out in the garage. It's too cold. And I'm, I'm rolling probably anywhere between 50 to hundred putts a day okay. on the putting mat. And that is like for the, from the club relationship angle, getting comfortable, what works, the hand, you're just positioning, you know, pre-shot setup, all that I'm working on all of it. And this all is the it. year. All maybe you're it. working on too many things, dude. Have you <laughs> thought about maybe just simplifying a little bit? <laughs> I mean, I'm all for a putting mat, but just the hands and all the stuff you're doing? Like, is there a chance? I'm just asking, you know, as your therapist, I'm just asking, <laughs> have you considered thinking about fewer things, not more things? So here's the thing. I, uh, yes, you were hundred percent right. I feel like what I started out the winter with is let's go super macro and figure out what's working, what feels come. And I've been there. I've been whittling it down to the point where I'm now at. I, everything is the same routine. It doesn't take a lot of time. Like I'm, I'm trying to get that muscle memory of okay. what feels good, where, you know, how I'm taking the club back, that kind of stuff. And that I'm, I'm getting there. I feel like I'm slowly getting there with the putter. And I, I do little competitions with myself to see how many I can make in a row from, you know, moving a foot forward and then moving a foot back and 
seeing how high the number can get and then trying to top the number. I'm telling you, buddy, this is the year. We're putting like Cameron Smith this summer. Okay, Dude, I do think, away. can I just say something? Like, I, I love what you're doing. I think it's great. But please do not become putting mat guy because it could get to a point where you're such a good putter on the putting mat that you start to then think that you're good out on the putting green or out on the golf course. And it actually goes the opposite direction. So no doubt, take it easy. You know, 50 to hundred is kind of a lot. So maybe just <laughs> like 40 to 50 cap it at on the putting mat and then do like maybe 20 or 30 on the actual golf course. Okay. Okay. You're, I, I'm, I'm loving the advice. I, my, my thing with golf, with my golf game is that I am, when, when I'm right, I can hit the driver pretty decently. I don't have, you know, I've, it's come and gone a little bit. Sometimes you see other people, but for the most part, we're in a pretty solid, happy relationship. I feel mm-hmm. like I'm a pretty good striker of the ball. I crumble inside of a hundred yards. And so, like, I just can't, I can hit a fairway, miss a green and then two chunk of chip. And all of a sudden it turns into a bogey. So that's the biggest area. I feel like if I want to take the next step in my golf game, it's inside a hundred yards and particularly around the green. And so that's the emphasis for me on, uh, on trying to work on the putting. I'm never going to have this mistaken thought that I'm actually a legitimate putter. I just need to be competent, like to get to where I want to go. I just need to be, I shot one of the winter rounds I played this summer or this winter was at stone Creek conditions were pretty good in January. I shot an 80 thrilled about that. Right. Great, January great. golf stone Creek. Love it. 38 putts. We, we got some work to do. I'm with you. I'm never going to get to a, I'm not going to be a, you know, 23 putt guy, but Hey, we're sub 30. We're feeling great, baby. All of okay. a sudden an 85 is turning into a 78 on a regular basis. I think we should I'm happy just, as a clam. I think we should just leave it at that. So we're going to play Eugene country club. We're going to play Toka tea. We're going to do sprinkle in another YOLO day trip in there, which we've gotten some great suggestions from people about other YOLO day trips that we can do. We'll find another one. We're going to do that. I'm going to hit driver. You're going to get, feeling good with your putter and everything's going to come together and we're going to sing kumbaya at the end that's the summer right there i'm already ready to go i love it okay. my quick goals other than putting is i'm saying yes to every golf round i get invited to once the weather turns i'm not every single one dude that's I mean, dangerous it's a little dangerous but you know hey i don't know when my life situation is going to change Fair. and i'm going to be in your shoes and so this might i'm just always prepared this could be it for me and so if I'm getting a random call and like a, Hey, we yeah. got a tea time at two tomorrow. Do you want to come play? Yes. Yeah. I'm in. So invite me to golf rounds. I'm going to say yes. That's good. Stay in the fight during the golf round. Don't give up after a bad shot or a bad hole. So far I'm hitting it like 60% on that on the year. So I'm feeling okay. <laughs> We're making progress there. And I'm tracking all my stats this year, buddy. Like oh, I got an Excel spreadsheet. It's, oh, it's, God. it's mapped out, dude. dude. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm Matthew Fitzpatrick. I'm tracking fairways where I'm hitting, where I'm missing. We're dialed in. Okay. I'm I dude, I I'm out of the stat tracking game. I, I, I don't like any of that stuff. I'm in the minority on that. I will, I will admit it, that part of it, but you get into stat tracking and that's, that's not good for me. The only stats I'm tracking are what kind of, are we going to get Coors Light or Miller Light at the turn? <laughs> what's, what's, what's on tap for the 19th hole. That's yeah. the only stat that matters to you. I love it. Any other golf goals for you? Is that it? We, we, uh, Circle all of them I'm, up. I, I'm keeping it simple. I'm going to play okay. some places I don't get to play as much. I'm going to improve my relationship with my driver. If I can do those two things, Love it. everything else will take care of itself. Love it. Well, send us your golf goals for the year at Grip City Golf on Twitter. Uh, hit us up. Let us know. And uh, if I'm a psycho for hitting that many putts and tracking my stats, let me know as well. You can go ahead and make fun of me there. In the comments. Dude, I work three hours a day. Okay. I got a lot of time on my hands. I got no kids. What the hell do you want me to do? I got a fighting man rolling putts, baby. Um, all right. Let's get to Will Gray because it is Masters Week. That's what matters the most right now. It's the best week of golf of the year. We'll see if Will agrees. 
Uh, let's bring him on. He is the editorial lead for Golf Bet. We had him on last season uh, to preview the U.S. Open. And uh, you can give him a follow on Twitter at Will Gray Golf Bet. All right. The first returning guest on the Grip City Golf Podcast. There should be like a medal or a trophy or a ribbon or something associated with that. And he's also the man, EP, who gave us the U.S. Open winner last year. And I did not take his betting advice. So Why? tough standards to live up to this year, Will. We'll see if you can back it up. Uh, let me start with an easy one for you, Will. Is this the best week of golf on the calendar year? Uh, first of all, I was definitely promised a trophy for returning <laughs> to the show. So I, I'm going to need you guys to put something together here. Let's get him. Uh, let's yes. get him a trophy. Come on. Yeah. Trophy yeah, ribbon, yeah. something. You know? I've got, I think I've got a soccer trophy at home. Well, I'll put it in the mail on Monday. There you go. Perfect. Gonna, yeah. There's going to be some drive chip and putt stuff still in your, in your <laughs> oh closet. Uh, listen, this is a great week. It's always, it's so fun. You know, when you have the masters, you know, the majors feel different, but this one even feels different among the majors, just because it's always the same course, the same week you have, you know, everywhere you look around that course, you feel a piece of history coming to life. And and so anytime, you know, you're able to get the best in the world, clean it up for the green jacket, uh, it is it is definitely one that sticks out. Will, what what is it do you think is different this year than years past with the Masters? I mean, I feel like it always feels a little different, whether the course got tweaked, the field is a little different. But then there's also that element where it's the same thing every year. But what is it about this year that you feel like you're interested to see because you're not quite sure what it's all going to mean? Definitely the 13th hole. There's already a lot of discussion about the impact that the new tee box has on the 13th hole. It's, uh, you know, we saw this a few years ago with five where they lengthened the fifth hole and it became pretty much one of the toughest par fours in the course. But 13 is, you know, exponentially more iconic. And I think that there's going to be a significant change to how players are going to play that hole where now it is, it's actually going to play more how it was designed or how it was playing maybe 20 or 30 years ago, where, you know, we're hearing from players this week, Billy Horschel said, yeah, I had a, a three iron from 220 off of a, a hook lie. And I wanted no part of that. So he's like, I'm going to lay up. Uh, I think even Dustin Johnson, some of the longer players uh, have said that they do plan to lay up, uh, you know, looking at the weather forecast, it, it could get a little dicey Saturday. It looked very cold for springtime in Georgia standards. So the ball is not going to be flying super far. Uh, but I, I think that you, we're definitely going to see 13 turn into more of a three shot hole, which, you know, that cuts both ways. Some of the, I think Tiger had a good quote today where he said, it's going to take the threes and sevens out of play and it's going to make for more fours and fives. And I, I think that's going to be the case where uh, you're going to see that, that front right area from 50, 60, 70 yards, get a lot of action. And it's going to be more of a wedge contest to see if you can uh, finish off a main corner with a circle. Well, Don't you then, think uh, it's all, it's also, sorry, I'm, I'm passionate about this dirt. I'm not going to wait. <laughs> But like, so you mentioned, Will, you're going to see more threes and sevens or sorry, fewer threes and sevens and more fours and fives. I don't know if I totally agree with that. Wasn't it mostly that we saw more low scores before and that, that's part of why they were changing it? I mean, did, did it bring in a lot of high scores too when it was shorter? I mean, I don't know. The well, statistics I think, I think on it's that, more but... just the notion that you're going to have fewer guys going for it in two and yeah. that that's what brings in penalty shots. That's what brings in, you know, you hit them in the bunkers above the green. Um, stuff like that, where if you're, if everyone's going to lay up and everyone's hitting their third shot from roughly the same 30 yard circle, the score is going to be pretty consistent. You're not going to see a lot of guys spin a 50 yard wedge back into race Creek, but I I think that there was maybe not an issue, but certainly a sensitivity when guys are coming into that hole with, you know, wedge nine iron, eight iron for a second shot. Uh, that's where, uh, you know, some sensors seem to have gone off and said, wait, let's, let's bring this back to how it was planned, uh, 20, 30 years ago. 
Well, and you mentioned too, Will, the weather, and that's something that I, it's always, I always track it, you know, going into the tournament, what's the forecast look like? We saw it impact the, the women's amateur this past weekend where there's a bit of a delay and there can be some breaks and stuff. But on that note, you know, just from a gambling angle, because there's always different metrics that I hear people like, you know, good iron players at the Masters at Augusta, people like good putters, obviously, that kind of stuff. Is there a weather impact for you from a gambling angle that that impacts certain players over others? Yeah, I think you look at the splits, especially Thursday, Friday, there are sometimes, you know, late early versus early late. And we've seen it happens more at the Open Championship when you've got everyone going off of the first tee all day long and uh, you get more of a split uh, differential there. But even this week, I think that, you know, it looks like the weather is going to get a little interesting Friday afternoon. There could be some rain. And so then it's, you, you know, you, it's a bet within a bet of, all right, are you going to have like the crummy conditions where guys are playing through 20 mile an hour winds and it gets really cold and they're still playing? Or is there going to be rain that's going to come through, stop everything? And then those later guys are going to be able to go out Friday afternoon on a wet course with soft greens and maybe they have more of an advantage. So uh, it's it's hard, as with most things with weather, hard to predict, but especially with with how it's going to pertain to the the field and this course, it can get a little bit tricky, but it's absolutely an element that you need to, to factor into your handicap, especially in a week like this where it does. Friday into Saturday, it's going to play a factor. How much of a factor and what time is the big TBD? Because golf betting was too easy before. Now, like throwing the <laughs> weather piece of it into it adds an important layer to make it more interesting. Well, it's all about information, right? The more the more info you have and the more you're able to analyze and, and factor it in, the better off you're going to be. That's the thought anyway. <laughs> well, I mean, on that gambling note, I've heard so many different metrics for how to find the value bets and the winners at Augusta. Is is it iron players, free ball strikers? Like, what, is there a one or two kind of top of your leaderboard of metrics that you look at and say, if you're successful in these two categories, I am going to put some money on you. Yeah, it's ball striking and be a decent putter. You don't need to be a great putter. I think you need to be a decent putter that can have a good week, but it's more so the iron play. And we saw what Scotty Scheffler did last year. You've seen guys like Corey Connors, who's a ball striking machine and can't make a putt from, you know, you to your microwave. <laughs> and yet he's able to be in the top 10 at the Masters three straight years. Sung J.M., great ball striker, finished second in, in his first Masters. So, that's really the place to start is you need guys. It's not, it's not about hitting greens at Augusta national. It's about hit this 30 foot wide portion of this green, you know, into the wind and coming off of a, a side hill lie. You have to be so super precise with both your, your hits and your misses at this course that the ability to, to control your ball with the irons is exponentially more valuable than maybe some of the other places, you know, there's not, yes, there's trees, but there's not huge rough. So you don't have, driving doesn't have as much of a premium as it does. It may be a U.S. Open or a PGA Championship. And the greens are are more of a, a learned thing where, you know, you don't need to be – just because you're the number one putter on tour, that's not going to mean you're the number one putter at Augusta right. National. So uh, the big piece for me is I need someone that I can trust from 210 yards away with an iron in their hand to put it within 20 feet. And then from there, I'll look at some of the other pieces in terms of recent form, short game. You have to be able to, to – you know, play well on and around the greens for sure. I remember back to what Patrick Reed did here. He was a wizard five years ago, and that was absolutely the thing that put him over the edge. Uh, so those are some of the secondary factors. But for me, the primary is ball striking. Hey, Will, you and I were talking the other day about you felt like this year at the Masters, it felt like it's a little bit more top heavy where there's really only like a, like 12 or 15 guys that you can really just close your eyes today and, and imagine winning on Sunday. Can you kind of speak more to that and how that's different than years past? Yeah, I think that 
you know, the masters of all the tournaments of the majors, it, it certainly feels that way just because the field size. I mean, this week we have 88 guys. That's almost half of what you're going to have at a U.S. Open or at the Open uh, later this summer. And among those, there's, you know, how many of those guys are, are in the I'm happy to be here category, whether you're talking about the seven or eight amateurs in the field or the seven or eight past champions that are playing their, you know, 30th or 40th masters. So all of a sudden the, you can call it down very quickly to maybe 50 guys are teeing it up that realistically walk in and say, yes, I have a chance to win this week. And then from there, uh, you know, you're able to, to say, all right, well, maybe this guy thinks he can win, but he's not playing that well. Or this is a course that really doesn't suit his game. Um, and so you, you can cancel him out. I remember Brooks Kepka went through at the 2019 PGA at, at Bethpage. And he was like, I, he ran through a similar scenario. Where he was like, I basically have to beat 20 guys. And, and I think that the math is, is kind of similar for this week where you're going to go down the list. And, and once you get to around 70, 80 to one, Maybe I've seen people talking on Twitter this week that, that Justin Rose feels like the, the break point of anyone below Justin Rose. Like Justin Rose, all right, I could see him winning this week. It'd be a stretch, but I could see it. Anything below that uh, maybe maybe not happening. Okay, Speak. nobody nobody out of left field totally. I like that because that makes gambling. At least I can narrow my focus a little bit. I, I do have to ask one question because he is the he is the needle still. And I saw his press conference. You just alluded to it this morning. The hairline, he's got to work on that because there's some – I don't know what's going – maybe go horseshoe or something. It's, it's going on top. But Tiger is back. And I heard somebody bring up yesterday, I thought an interesting point, where it, it feels like this is the most under the radar he's ever – at least in recent years that he's come into a major. Last year, obviously, it was, oh, my God, is he going to play? Can he walk? This year, it's kind of – there's all this live versus PGA Tour, these other distractions, and it's like, oh, yeah, by the way, Tiger's playing again. This is like gambling on the Cowboys to win the Super Bowl just because they're the most favorite. Is there any value in any bet on Tiger Woods? Uh, in general, no, there's not value on any bet in Tiger Woods. There hasn't been in, in 25 years, but that doesn't mean you're not going to bet on him. Uh, I, you know, I, I still, it's amazing to me that he's never missed the cut as a pro. So, I, you know, depending on where you're, you're looking, maybe that's a minus 180 or minus 200. Remember, the cut rule this week is top 50 in ties out of 88 guys. So you don't need to beat a ton of them. You need to be kind of just in the mix, no 10-shot rule. Uh, but you're right. It is. He is kind of flying under the radar. I think that's in part because he just hasn't been around in the public eye over the last few months. He's only played once. And he did make the cut, uh, kind of surprised folks at the Genesis at the Riviera. So, uh, you know, I, I think that that's kind of the way to look at it is can he get to the weekend from there? It's, it's a lot of question marks, especially when you look at the weather. Uh, you know, we saw what happened to him last year at Southern Hills at the PGA where he just wasn't playing well, ended up withdrawing in some really tough conditions. Uh, so I, I think that potentially if you want to look at a, a top 30 or top 40, I feel like that's probably a win for, for Tiger. I know he always – says he comes out for the win. But I did think that it was interesting that he had a really candid remark today where he said, I'm not sure how many more of these I have in me. And, and I think that that speaks to the frailty that he has with his body. He said his endurance is better, but the pain is more this year than it was last year. So this is something where he's he doesn't have, as he said, he doesn't have a ton more left in him, whether that's master starts, major starts, tournament starts, what have you. Uh, so you know he's going to give it as much as he can in the moment. But I think that it's, it's going to be an achievement for him to get to the weekend and anything inside, let's say the top 30, uh, that's going to be a surprise. So I'm seeing like 50 to one. Is that, is that right? Odds on tiger. I mean, that seems like, I mean, I'd throw 10 bucks down on that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can, I, I think that if you, but if you look at some of the guys that are priced around him at 50 to one, I feel like you're probably rating those guys higher to win a tournament. There's, there's a, a tiger fee, let's say baked into any yeah. sort of tiger price where they, they don't have the odds makers don't have an incentive to offer a fair price on tiger because everyone is going to bet Tiger anyway. 
Totally. If you're going to bet Tiger at 60 to one, you're going to bet him at 50 to one or 45 to one. You don't care what it is because you still have that $10. You're going to want to throw down on it because you don't want to miss out if Tiger wins the Masters. So it, you don't have to really attract uh, action if you're an odds maker. And that's why his price is usually a little shorter than it should be. He doesn't move the needle. He is the needle. Isn't that what they say? <laughs> yes. I yes, love the, the way you said that, Will, was perfect. That there's not a lot. There hasn't been value in 25 years, but you're going to bet it anyways. And there's <laughs> never been a right. truer word spoken on this podcast. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, Will, who else do you like? You had mentioned some names like Corey Connors and Sung J.M. Any other names that maybe are a little bit under the radar, people not really thinking about that deserve a look? Yeah, I think that uh, I'm somewhat high on Xander Shoffley. I think if I go back and look at my majors record, I might be he might be a guy that I'm high on at a major with too much frequency. But I'm going to do it again this week because he fits the mold of having good ball striking, having some really good strokes gained uh, numbers in the last few weeks. He's been solid. If under the radar, uh, he's in that 20 to 22 to one kind of range. Uh, you know, if it's he, I I feel like he's often head to head with Patrick Cantlay. And I might give him a little bit of an edge this week over Cantlay. But even at the top of the board, it feels like you're you're trying to find a reason to doubt Scheffler, which is hard to do. I mean, it's a short list of guys that have gone back to back. It's Tiger, Jack, and Nick Faldo. That's it. Um, but, but man, Scheffler has been so impressive this year. He has continued to play really well at the courses he played really well at last year. He goes back to back in Phoenix, almost goes back to back in Austin, wins the players by five. Like every single box is being checked. And you go into it saying, well, you know, he's the betting favorite. He's a short number. It's hard to win here again. But, uh, you know, I think he's got a better chance than many other recent defending champions to do it two in a row. It's also like I feel like we've gone through ebbs and flows in this PGA Tour season where a month ago, everybody and I'm, I'm myself included, I immediately rushed to put a bet on John Rahm to win the Masters because he, yep. it looked like nobody was going to touch him and the odds are going to get worse. So I'm jumping on it now. And now here we are. I think he's the third or fourth favorite behind Scotty obviously I think Rory's up there probably is the favorite uh is is Ram a guy we're sleep I, I know he's the third highest odds but is he a guy that maybe we're sleeping on going into this weekend yeah for sure I mean I, I did a piece for golf bet where I spoke to multiple odds makers this week and it is really you know 1a and 1b Scheffler and Rory where they are pricing Scheffler as the guy who should be the favorite they're pricing Rory as the guy that everyone's going to want to bet on because they want to see him complete the career grand slam and you're right John Rahm like had the PGA Tour under his boot six weeks ago winning at Riviera you know, first fastest to three wins in the calendar year since Johnny Miller in 1977. I mean, he was he was setting the world on fire. Then he WDs the players. He has a first round exit match play. And it's what have you done for me lately, especially compounded with how well Scheffler has played and how Rory's in the spotlight. The two of them make it to the semis. So it's kind of a two way street of Rom's not doing much. The other guys around him are playing really well and his price has really tumbled. So he is pretty much locked in in the third slot, depending on where you shop. Jordan Spieth always an Augusta guy is, is right there in the fourth. But, you know, I, I, I think that on Sunday, would we be surprised to see John Rahman in green jacket? No, he's got the game to do it for sure. He had four straight top tens from 2018 to 2021, but given just the dichotomy of his form, how great he was running in January and February and how quickly he has cooled, there is, it feels like there's something going on there. Speaking of Rory, it feels like if, I mean, obviously if Tiger wins, that is just the most exciting for golf in general. But it seems like if Rory wins the Masters, completes the Grand Slam, that would be a pretty epic story, would it not, Will? In, term, in terms of like what golf fans would want to see and what would be amazing for just golf in general, would, wouldn't that be pretty awesome to see Rory do it on Sunday, finally? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that that's the outside of Tiger, the non-Tiger department. That's the, the storybook headline. And that's the thing that's going to get 
most people involved. Um, I, I remain a Rory Augusta skeptic. Uh, I think that ship has sailed for him potentially. Like you're gonna, he's going to show up for the next five, 10 years with a great shot to win it. But you can make a very decorated list of guys that should have won the Masters and didn't. Whether you're talking about Greg Norman or Ernie Els or Tom Weisskopf or David Duvall, they don't – sometimes you're supposed to win and you don't. And, and I almost feel like we're getting there with Rory. This is his ninth chance to complete the career Grand Slam. as nine times he's come back around after the fall into the spring, having to answer all of these questions week in and week out about Augusta. And this is the tournament. You get one shot at it, and it is absolutely in his kitchen. And, and I think that I saw a stat. He played 81 holes at Augusta in the last two and a half weeks or something. I, I don't know if that's good or bad. He's tried it both ways. Of He's tried living there for a couple of weeks. He's tried, I'm not thinking about it. He, I mean, he is, he's tried everything under the sun to find the secret sauce to get him back in the position that he was in 2011, where it seemed like he had this thing won uh, you know, ignorance is bliss sometimes. And then we saw what happened there. But uh, it's hard for me to see a situation where that he's really going to get over the finish line, especially going back to 2018, where he was right there. It's him and Patrick Reed in the final group. That's it's it's on a silver platter for you. And the first ball off the first tee goes into essentially Macon, Georgia, like 50, 50 yards right. And he's off and running. He missed a short putt on two. And that's it. And And so I'm trying to game out what is the scenario where Rory wins. He had the great comeback last year. It comes up short. So I, I don't know. This is this is a rambling answer to say, yes, uh, it would be awesome. It would be a great storyline if Rory's in contention, especially if he wins. I still have my doubts as to whether or not uh, maybe it's it's too much in his head for this event. Well, I'm, I'm reminiscing about his collapse on that Sunday. I'll never forget him on 10. That's a visual that is, is yep. painful for any golf fan to watch. I don't want to ask that because that's too depressing. So I'm going to ask <laughs> you a more positive question. What is Does Will Gray, it might be like picking – favorite kids or something do you have a favorite masters oh uh i will say the uh the one masters where i was credentialed to work i worked full week was 2019 which uh was tiger's win that was pretty good <laughs> that's pretty uh, cool yeah so that was that was pretty cool I'll, maybe uh the next time i'm back up there for the for the whole week i guess tiger's come to win again but um yeah i mean i think growing up i mean i was i was very young when with the norman faldo 96 masters but that was just, I, I still remember that waking up that morning and being like, why am I even watching this? This guy's got it in the bag. And that was back when they didn't really show the, the front nine on TV. Like you get to see their second shot on nine from this <laughs> faraway camera. Uh, and all of a sudden things are, things are spiraling very quickly uh, for, for team Norman. But that was, that's still just such an indelible memory for me. Um, and then the, you know, another one that's kind of an oddball one that I still think about is, I mean, Kenny Perry in 2009 should have won the, should have won the masters. And going into that random three hole three way playoff with Chad Campbell and Cabrera's in the trees, uh, and just some of the you know some of the ones recently have gone to overtime. You know Adam Scott beating Cabrera years later yeah. in the rain. Those are always the ones where it kind of sticks out a little bit more for me. Where you remember where you were when this exact shot went down, and, and that's always fun. That's you got a better stuff, mastery man. memory than me. I was there in 2018. It was the year Patrick Reed run, and I. I'm like ashamed <laughs> of my 2018 Masters flag. Now I miss Tiger by a year. I was there uh, that same right. year too, the yeah. year before. And when when Reed, I was there on Sunday actually. And when Reed tapped in on 18, like we all kind of looked at each other and like golf clapped, and we're like, okay, I guess we better go home now. It was it was yeah. weird. Because yeah, we'll Tiger was in contention that day too, if you remember. Yeah. Like he, I mean, yeah. he could have won. Yeah. Oh man, the Masters! Yeah. It just gets you every time. It's great. It's great. And it's, there's something about going back to the same course, the, the same plot of land. That's honestly, it's smaller in person than it looks on TV. 
definitely way hillier uh, and a, a big time up and down terrain. But but seeing those holes that are just jam packed one next to each other and everywhere you turn, everywhere you look, you're like, oh, I remember when he hit a shot over there 20 years ago or 40 years ago or 60 years ago. Uh, it's just it's just lined with history. Nothing beats it. So you, you mentioned, Will, the kind of the cutoff point being Justin Rose. And I'm looking at guys that are kind of in that category in front of him. A couple names I just want to throw at you. I, uh, uh, Jason Day's had a really good year. Hasn't translated to a win yet, but I feel like he's in contention every tournament he's playing. And then Cameron Young just had a great showing at the match play where he just he finally ran out of gas, but he was steamrolling. His numbers those first couple of days were insane, the amount of birdies that he made. Uh, is, is there value in the middle of the board? You know, either, you know, as you mentioned, Xander's kind of in their homas in there. Uh, any other value picks kind of in the middle of the board there that you like? Yeah, Jason Day is going to be a popular pick this week uh, as a guy who has played well at the Masters before and really is coming on a league of freight train. I, you know, one of our writers at golf bet, Ben Everill, is a, a diehard Australian. So he's been talking up Jason Day uh, throughout for like the last five years. So he's, he's a little bit of the boy who cried wolf, but now he actually has a reason to talk up Jason Day. And my, my point to him was I want to see Jason Day win something else. Remember when Spieth kind of got back on the horse and he went and won the Valero? Like Jason Day needs to go and win the Byron Nelson before – I think he's really going to be able to get in the mix and, and just burst through. He hasn't won anything in, since, I think, 2018. Uh, so to go from that to winning a major is, is a big step for me, but I absolutely could see him in contention. The, the numbers are there. The game is in a good place. He played well at the match play. Uh, he's absolutely someone to ra- that's rounding into form uh, to look at over the next few months for sure. And then Cameron Young is kind of in that Zalatoris mold, right? He, like yeah. he, he needs to win something. I don't know if you can come off the off the bench here and – and win this one as his first one. Although, you know, Matt Fitzpatrick did it last year at the U.S. Open, even though he had won a few in Europe. He was Everyone was saying, when are you going to win in the U.S.? So uh, he's another guy where it's not going to surprise anyone, given his pedigree uh, and given his game, if he's able to win. I think that it's very interesting to watch him in terms of the caddy swap. We saw last year what happened when Scotty Scheffler uh, made the change at caddy. And now all of a sudden we've got Paul Tesori coming off of Webb Simpson's bag, goes to Cameron Young. Immediately they go right to the final at the WGC match play. So we've seen what Ted Scott has done to Scheffler and another guy that didn't have wins. And now all of a sudden he's got a bunch of wins. Uh, Sometimes it's the little things. Sometimes it's just having a different voice in your ear at the right time. They can make a a little bit of a difference. So uh, that's an element to watch with Cameron Young for sure. Uh, And then the other thing I would say in terms of Homa, very interesting to watch this week because he's fifth in the world, has won a bunch in the PGA Tour, absolutely leveled up since last year's Masters, but still has no top tens in majors. So what is he going to do when he gets into the mix and when he's in the contention for the first time at one of these big events? And how is he going to be able to handle that pressure? Because even though he's won several times in the PGA Tour, including this year at Torrey Pines, it's, it feels different. It's just a little bit different when you get in the mix at one of these events. That homestat just blew me away. He's never been top 10 in a major. Nope. And he's only had one. I, I would check. I think he's only had one in the top 40. Like he is, wow. his, his major record is really not as good as you think it is. Wow. Wow. Who is, uh, is, is it, can you allow us to know the official Will Gray pick to win the Masters? Uh, I, I think I'll go with Xander. I, 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 but I, in terms of the top, I'm going to take Scheffler over Rom or Rory, for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of out on Rory. I really think that with Scheffler, you're trying to talk your way, you talk yourself out of why I should take him just because it seems too easy. And sometimes the easy way is, is the way to go. But I am on Team Xander this week. I know I did that exact thing last year. He was riding such a heater, and I thought this is too obvious. It's yep. never this obvious at the Masters. Like we can't pick him to win. Yep. And then he all the stats are like, him. oh, you know, no one wins after winning the previous event, and no one wins after winning so many times in the year. 
world number one, reigning world number one, hadn't won it in a long time. He just he just won. Blew it the out of the water. Yeah, the last one I have for you, Will, I'm just curious on, you know, th- there's so much on the, the live PGA drama or whatever, and all the players are saying this is way overblown. It's not that big of a deal. Is, is there any metric to you? I mean, I, I guess we've never been able to quantify this before, but not playing on the, P, you know, coming from a different tour to come play in the Masters and maybe not being as sharp or not having the same competitive, like, is there anything in a gambling angle that maybe scares you away from live guys? Or are you still, hey, Cameron Young's got a chance, Brooks in a major, are you still all in on him? I, I mean, I think it's a lot of it's a lot of TBD. We're not really sure because this is this is uncharted territory for the professional game and seeing how this is all playing out and and who's going to come out this week, both from from either side, wherever you're coming from, and how do you react to being in this setting where you've got uh, kind of everyone under one big tent? So it's it's absolutely something to keep an eye on this week as you look for the majors going ahead uh, into this summer. But uh, yeah, if you can tell me that you have the answer to that question, uh, I'll be signing up for your newsletter. I'll tell you that much. It's like, are they rusty or rested? Like nobody knows. And so this will be a good litmus test this week to see if, what, what that all really means. Well, and Bro- we know Brooks' history in majors and he just, didn't he just dominate the live event this past weekend? So he's coming in on heater. He won by one. And I think he beat oh, did he? like Tom Lehman or something like that to win. <laughs> mighty, the mighty Tom Lehman. Well, hey, you got anything else, CP? No, that's pretty much it. Well, just, I guess, last thing for you is just to tell our listeners where they can go to find the best golf betting and fantasy content. Yeah, come check us out at GolfBet. Uh, we are uh, part of the PGA Tour website. Uh, we've got our, our Twitter handle, at GolfBet. We're going to have all sorts of in-game analysis, overnight stuff, looking into updated odds as the tournament progresses, and plenty of uh, pregame content as well before the tournament starts. By the way, I've never seen Dirt take more notes on what one of our guests is talking about than he is today. It's like, are we doing this for the people or are you doing this for your own pocket? I'm in like, like 17 different master's pools. Okay. I got to get creative <laughs> angles. I need headings. I know I need the lines here. I got to be fully prepared, man, for all of our master's pools. Well, Will Gray is his name. Make sure to go give him a follow on Twitter and track the gambling content because it is there. It is awesome. Uh, Will Gray Golf Bet on Twitter is the handle. And the ribbon is on the way, as well as Eric's fifth-grade soccer trophy. And we always Excellent. appreciate the time, man. Thanks for coming on. All right, always, always good to be with you guys. Well, that was pretty good info, man. He gave us some, he gave us some, some nice odds there, buddy. I'm liking it. I wrote down all the names that he uh, you made fun of me for taking notes, but I took meticulous notes. I'm ready to win all my master's pools. When you and I talk and we prep for our pods, you don't touch a pen, paper, nothing. You're just flying by the seat of your pants. And then when Will comes on and you start crunching numbers, I've never seen anything like it. It's like a whole nother person. I got, I got the Eric Peterson master's golf pool email, dude. I got to get ready to go here. Okay. I got to stand out from the herd, man. I'm trying to win some money this week. Uh, on that note, buddy, I mean, you, you're rocking your master's gear. You're kind of, I'm, I'm feeling a little emasculated. I'm not wearing any of my master's gear that I spent like a thousand dollars on that day at Augusta, but I got a lot of it in the closet. How excited are you? How you feel, man? It's, it's back, dude. It's the best week of golf of the year. This is the best week of the year. And I don't get as into the betting stuff as you do. I just feel like this is Scotty Scheffler's tournament to win. And yeah. I know that it's hard to repeat as Augusta. Tiger did it. Faldo did it. But those are like the only two guys in our lifetime who have done it before that yet. You got to go to like, I think it was Nicholas in the 60s that won back to back. But I I don't know, man, even though he lost at the match play in the semifinals, I just feel like he's playing so good. And if you prove that you can win at Augusta once, I mean, look at Bubba Watson. He's won there twice. You just get in this groove where you're like, yeah, I could see myself winning there multiple times. And and I just don't see anyone else. Will alluded to like the Rory, can he exercise the demons? And 
I didn't feel as strongly about that part of it as he did before we talked to him. But now, like hearing what Will had to say about you don't just forget your demise on 10T when you're standing there with the lead on Sunday. Like that part sticks with you forever. And I just wonder if that will ever, if he'll ever be able to shake that. So if you look at like, if it's Scheffler and Rory at the top, which I think the most odds makers would say that those are the two, I just feel like it's Scheffler all day long. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, he was the guy last year, as we kind of joke with Will about like, he, he went in as the easy favorite and I, I backed away from it because it just felt too easy. Like there's like the, how often does the odds on favorite overwhelming pick from everybody actually win the tournament that very rarely, it's a beauty of golf, right? It's yeah. kind of a, it's an unknown, but I, it's so hard to avoid him. I always put some money on Rory every year, but that's more with my heart than my mind. Cause I love Rory and I want him to win. Uh, but I don't, the odds just aren't worth it for me for a sizable bet because he's the, the, the favorite right now in Vegas. And I think that's a little misleading. The guy that I do think, and we brought it up again with Will, the guy I do think that is flying totally under the radar because of Scotty in the last couple of weeks that you pointed to is John Rom. Like John, John Rom was unbeatable a month ago. He did have to withdraw, but he, he having some, you know, I think it was a back problem or whatever, withdrew with the players. But he he's played pretty like his numbers aren't terrible. And match play is hard to correlate directly to stroke play, obviously. So I'm not putting much stock in him getting bounced in the opening round. I John Rom to me being a third favorite. If you would have told people two months ago that John Rom was going to have the third highest odds to win the Masters, they'd laugh. Like there's no chance. Yeah, he's going to be I like agree. a minus 150 by that point because he was playing so well. And so he slipped a little bit. Uh, so I, I really like uh, John Rom, but you can't go wrong with any of the guys at the top because I mean, hell, they're the best golfers in the world. And the value play is Andrew Shoffley. I'll tell you, I did not take his advice to bet Matthew Fitzpatrick last year at the U.S. Open, and he ended up winning. He won. I am putting money on Xander Shoffley to win the Masters this year. Okay, so you, know who, you know who I'm going to put money on to win this Masters? Sung J.M. Okay, Sung J.M.'s your guy? 2023 Masters champion. Love you it. You heard dude. it here first. Love it. I'm going to pull that clip for the promo of the podcast. Eric Peterson correctly picks 2023 uh, Masters winner. I Did, did you see uh, one quick note uh, before we wrap up with some fun trivia here? They, I don't know if they've always done this, but Augusta, you can buy the food and drink packages. Did you yes. see that? Yes. I thought, did you? I wonder if any of our listeners did it. I came really close and then I kind of forgot about it. Now it's obviously too late. I'm marking it down right now for 2024. I'm buying the master's food and drink package to send to my house. And you get the cups and the, 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 like the wrapper for the pimento cheese and everything. Yeah. It's, it's just a little too much for they me. They sell you I mean, a mix for a, co- a cocktail mixes. Come on, man. You, you know what? Be, the mood. You know, what's incredible is how much money they'll probably just, just kind of found it's, extra revenue that they'll like, I was just like, Hey, what if we tried this? And like in some <laughs> meeting and they're like, yeah, yeah, we'll give it a try. And they'll probably make a ton of money. Dude, they're still, have you seen, so they come out with gnomes this year. I don't know what the gnome is for, but they have a master's gnome. And I don't know if they gave it to patrons or sold them online, but they're basically out at this point. And the retail on the gnomes is going for like a hundred times the amount that oh they were sold God. for. People are that desperate to get their hands on an Augusta national gnome. Uh, before we wrap up and get every, send you off in your master's week, uh, you got some fun Portland v. Augusta trivia. Now we did this last year for the master's. And I got a feeling you're going to blow my mind again. So what do we got cooked up this time? Yeah, you you were pretty bad at this game last year. So this is your chance of redemption. But basically, it's kind of borrowed from Swag does it on your guys' show sometimes where uh, it's called Stat or Story, right? Yep. So this is similar to that. I came up with some stats and you have to guess if I'm referring to Portland or Augusta. Okay, okay. you ready? Okay, ready to go. Okay, the first stat is the number 23. 
23. Is it the number of public golf courses in the Portland area? Or is it the consecutive cuts record at the Masters? Ooh. <laughs> now, I know. T now, if it's consecutive, that wouldn't be Tiger because he's missed a few. I know Tiger has never missed a cut at Augusta in his professional career, but he's missed a few throughout the years. Uh, 23. That's that's a hell of a long. I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Augusta on that one. That is correct. The consecutive cuts record is 23. Fred Couples from yeah. 83 to 2007, and Gary Player from 1959 to 1982. Now your point about Tiger, his cut streak is 22. Okay, Ooh, his last okay. missed cut was 96. Okay, and as an amateur, point, right? Uh, yes. To, um, yeah, that was after he won the. At pumpkin, right? Well, no, because he won a pumpkin in '96. Okay, so it was when he won the amateur before that. So, anyways, it was '96 was the last cut he missed, and he's never missed it as a pro. To your point, he, that, like, but to your point, he's missed some years of the Masters, but he's never and ones that he's actually played in, he's never missed the cut as a pro. And but so there's a he's at 22. Yeah, so he's at 22. So you want to talk about a lot at stake this week for him? I mean usually it's like, well, he's going to make the cut no matter what. But now, even last year, we weren't really sure if he was going to make the cut, and he did. So just a big question mark with, like, is he going to make the cut or is he going to miss it? Who knows? Yeah, that's a huge storyline. If he can make it last year, I got a good feeling. He just knows that golf course so well. I feel like he can navigate his way around to like a 73, 74. Just on one foot. On, yeah. You know, on one leg and hit yeah. a couple of putts, a couple of good shots and make it to the weekend. And there are 31 public golf courses in, you know, the Portland area, hard to exactly define, but I just considered it to be like Multnomah, Clackamas, Washington County. There's 31 sure. public golf courses. So, okay. kind of, well, kind of, I mean, it's like kind of amazing that there's that many. It tells you, yeah, that's a great indicator for the opportunities you have to play golf. Just, we just need a little bit of sunshine. <laughs> All right, next one. Firethorn. Is it Fire the name Thorn. of the newest hot sauce at Fire on the Mountain, the great uh, <laughs> Buffalo wing place in Portland? Okay. Or is it the name of one of the holes at Augusta National? I was hoping you're going to go with the team name for the new Live Golf Team, yeah. <laughs> the Fire Thorns. Fire Thorns. <laughs> I, I feel like Augusta National is too classy of a place to have a golf hole like a like mint, like azalea, like they have all the, it's all like romantic, like so, fire thorn to me is Pink a little too dogwood. Yes. It's a little too aggressive for Augusta. That is not aggressive enough for a hot sauce at fire on the mountain. I'm going Portland fire on the mountain. That's incorrect. Fire thorn I, is the name of the 15th hole at Augusta national. No way. Really? I have no idea what the uh, newest hot sauce is at fire on the mountain. So maybe it's also fire thorn. I don't know. It could be, it could but be. I, I do know that fire thorn is uh, the name of the 15th hole at Augusta. That, well, I mean, I think it deserves the name this year. The change is at 15, man. That's one of the, or 13, I guess is the T change, but 15 is a hole that still gets everybody trying to clear the water. And Oh yeah. There's been some longer short. There's some, and then remember like what was in, a while ago when Tiger had that weird drop and they didn't know how to penalize him if he's going to get DQ'd or penalized because he took a bad drop on 15. So there's been a lot of crazy stuff that's happened on 15. It's the last par five at the Masters. So it all there's always something that happens there. So could be a some fireworks or, or potential thorny issue going on on 15. <laughs> Did you watch any of the, the women's amateur there this weekend? I saw a little snippets. I didn't see a ton okay. of it. Well, speaking of 15, the leader got to Roseang, who is like the top you know amateur women's player in the world, winning everything. At a massive lead, slowly slips away. Her dad's caddying for her, and they get into a heated argument on the middle of the 15th fairway. 
She wanted to lay up because she's got a two stroke lead on 15. He says, no, you got to go for it. Hits an uncommitted three wood into the water, ends up making bogey. And she ended up winning in a playoff, but 15 was very controversial this weekend. Firethorn. Okay. Next one. 545. Okay. Is it the new length of the 13th hole at the masters? Or is it the length of the 14th hole at Chambers Bay, the longest par four in U.S. Open history? This isn't Portland, but it's close enough. Sure. 545. Is it the new length of the 13th hole at the Masters? Okay. Or is it the length of the 14th hole at Chambers Bay, which was the longest par four in U.S. Open history? Trying to remember. So I at 12, I remember. 13, I remember. Ooh. I, I'm go, I'm going to go Augusta here. It's Augusta, 545. 545 is the new distance. I remember 14 is a beautiful hole. It's an elevated tee box, and there's bunkers along the entire left side. Really picturesque, beautiful hole at Chambers Bay. And that hole is actually 546. Wow. <laughs> One yard different. I mean, but, you could uh, fly it off that tee because it's all down. You can, that ball is just running forever, yeah, especially forever. in those yeah. conditions at that U.S. Open. So a little different in terms of playability um, with this, basically what's exactly <laughs> yeah. the same yardage. But I just thought that was interesting that 545 is the new yardage on 13. And we talked with Will a little bit about this, about how that hole, it's going to be interesting to see how that all goes with guys hitting like, you know, that 200-yard shot into there or so. Should be interesting to see what happens at Augusta. Are you okay. a fan? Of, are you a fan of the changes on thirteen? Do you like the the shoot the narrow tee box? Oh, and the dude, I think of it? I think it's awesome. And yeah. hearing what guys are talking about, I don't necessarily buy that it's going to flatten the curve where it's going to be like more fours and fives. Like maybe that'll be the case, but I just feel like there's going to be more strategy there, and like there's going to be a decision that's going to have to be made, which is what Bobby Jones said. Like he wanted that second shot to be a momentous decision. And that's what we lost with Bubba Watson hitting his peel cuts like over the top of the trees, like in, right. in hitting wedge in. Like it just, it just kind of became a joke. And like honestly, I think that 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 guy is like one of the reasons why they're doing this is because he kind of made it just it was kind of embarrassing to that hole. So I'm yeah, I'm, I'm glad they're that. doing it. So yeah. okay, Wicked last man. one, 1994. Is it the year Pumpkin Ridge opened? Or is it the year Gary McCord made his famous bikini wax comment on live television during the Masters broadcast? Do you remember well, that? I don't. I mean, I was I was a pup in 1994. Well, I mean, see, have you read about it or whatever? I like, have never heard about this. No. Okay. So, so now quick, I need to answer the question so I can I, I need the synopsis on that. Who so, is he talking about? So during the Masters broadcast, he made a comment essentially saying that they don't mow the greens at Augusta. They just put bikini wax on them. Kind of just a, a Gary McCord kind of comment, right? Something that you would expect him to say. Right. And it actually wasn't until I think it was several days later that he like got pulled into Frank Turkinian's office, the producer back then, and basically said like, bro, like we got a letter from Augusta and like <laughs> we, we got problems. I think it was a, pl- I think it was like Tom Watson or something that, that it was a player that had, that took exception and a, a master's champion. I think it was Tom Watson <laughs> who said that he just thought that that was off color and, and wasn't appropriate. And since then, Gary McCord has been kicked off of the master's telecast by CBS. He's How been, he's been on other stuff as, as we all know, I think he's retired now, but he was on CBS broadcast for years after that, but just never at the masters. And it was all because of that comment. 
Can you imagine losing your ability to broadcast the Masters because of one comment like that? What a I've never heard that story before. That's amazing. Oh. Uh, I'm going to go. So 1994, I mean, that's, you know, controversial in 94. I could see that. I know Pumpkin Ridge is a little bit of a newer iteration of golf in the area compared to some of the others who have been around a long time. I'm going to go Portland on that one. Give me Pumpkin Ridge 94. So it was actually Gary McCord. It was said 94. Pumpkin Ridge opened in 92. But if you didn't have any, okay. if you didn't have any context on the Gary McCord comment, then I, I mean, you're flipping a coin, but Pumpkin Ridge opened in 92. And actually one thing I did learn in my research about this, Pumpkin Ridge opened in 92. And one month later, it was announced that the USGA had given them the 1996 US Amateur, which we all know who won that one. So of course. in 1992, a lot happened there within a short period of time. They opened a 36 hole property in Portland, which is a big deal in and of itself, a world-class one at that. And then they got the the U.S. Amateur there on the calendar soon thereafter. So ninety two was a big year for golf in Portland. That is awesome, man. I love this the the trivia there. I just I got a lot smarter in the Portland golf area. I now know courses, Pumpkin Ridge history. I got a I got a, a few right, so I feel good about the way that I played. I'm going into the Masters weekend with good vibes. Uh, Eric is taking Sunjay M. You heard it here first. I'm on John Rom, so he's going to make more money than me if he is right on his pick because M's got a little bit better odds than John John Rom does. A quick uh, heads up. Oh, wait, by the way, timeout. I'm going to throw call a timeout real quick before we wrap up here. I do need to grant you the floor. Uh, you have a beef with my with my radio co-host because he made some comments recently about his gambling angle for the Masters is Jordan Spieth because Jordan Spieth has won the last two years on Easter. And Masters Sunday, of course, is falling on Easter Sunday this year. And Eric Peterson, I will allow you to take the floor. Okay. So I heard this. What's your co-host name? Craig? It's Craig. Yeah. Craig. Craig yeah. yeah. Brandon Craig. Brandon Craig. <laughs> so he he says that he, and, and if I'm putting words in his mouth and he needs to come on and explain himself and tell me I'm wrong and I'm crazy for, for thinking that he's crazy, I'm totally open to that. So Craig, the, the spot is yours if you want to come in and talk to us. But essentially what he said is that one of the metrics that he may apply to reasons why Jordan Spieth is a good bet for the Masters this year is because he's won twice before on Easter Sunday. One was his, his Masters title. The other was the Valero Texas Open. And with Masters Sunday this year falling on Easter, <laughs> then it stands to reason that Jordan Spieth will win. And I just thought that was so ridiculous. I'm like... I don't know if he's bringing religion into this is if like Jesus thinks more highly of Jordan Spieth than he does maybe of other players in the field. He's a big fan know. of AT&T. I, yeah, I just <laughs> didn't know. And then I started thinking about, okay, what is that? What is that like saying? I, and to me, I felt like that was like me saying, I think Tiger is going to win the masters this year because the last, every time he's won it on Tuesday of that week, I wear a white shirt and a green vest and he is won. And I'm wearing one today and therefore he's going to win. So I just, I felt like when Sprague said that, I'm like, that needs to be commented on. That's one of the more ridiculous reasons to pick someone to win the masters or anything. That was just, I, I just needed that time. So thank you for letting okay. me get that off my chest. Okay. Sprague, the, the floor is yours for a rebuttal. If you would like to jump on the grip city golf podcast, you can rebut. He might have the, it will be hilarious if Jordan Spieth now ends up winning. I'm actively following that storyline because if he ends up being right with that logic, that's like the person who fills out the NCAA March Madness bracket. Like I, I, you know what my brother did this year? He filled out his March Madness bracket going any, many, miny mo on every single game. 
and he picked Princeton to win, you know, upset 15 seeds. Like he was like, this is the best I've ever done. So maybe that kind of logic works. We'll have to wait and see Spriggs. The full, the floor is yours to rebut potentially next week, but I'm glad you got that off your chest. We're all if ready to Spie- go if Spieth wins, I will just say right now that I will, I will personally apologize for everything I just said, because then <laughs> it's like, okay, Sprague, he knew something that I just didn't know or that I just, I couldn't understand. And, I mean, at um, that point, we wonder if, if Spieth himself is Jesus, right? If he just wins Jesus. every year on Easter. I think that's and, the only conclusion I can reach. And Sprague is one of his prophets. And right. therefore, we should listen to both of them and live a more prosperous life. I love it, dude. I love it. Hey, a quick heads up for next week. We're really excited for this one. So this is the only episode of the year that we're kind of going to go outside the Portland realm. Obviously, we tried to tie a little bit back into it, but it's Masters week, man. We're all excited. Get your, you know, your azaleas blooming and all that fired up next week jumping back into the local content first local guest of the year is going to be the one and only mike barrett and we're heading out to uh x golf to alton we're gonna sit down with him so that is on the next episode we're really excited about that looking for ways to golf and stay out of the rain and the cold and all that x golf is going to be a great spot for you so really excited for that upcoming on uh episode what it'd be 17 and uh there you go buddy hey we're back we're better than ever and the new season is, season is underway have fun watching the masters this weekend enjoy the masters man good to catch up with you let's be in touch all right everybody give us a follow on twitter at grip city golf make sure to, to subscribe and download the podcast so you can keep track of whenever a new episode comes down if you want to give us a rating whether it be a zero star or a five star we love to see those the comments as well we can't thank you enough for listening uh, uh last season and now launching off on a new season we'll talk to you again on the next episode until next time go lower Hit it hard, man. So far, man. No laying up, no holding back. Ain't afraid of nothing, it's a natural fact. I hit it long, man. Till it's gone, man. Keep taking chances, live at large. I hit it, hit it, hit it hard. People would have given up by now All the rough I've seen These ups and downs Somehow I just keep on playing through